0: Welcome to episode 36 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by Bet MGM. I'm Carol Schramm here with Adam Kurzenblatt. And while it's still a couple of weeks before the beginning of the NHL regular season, the Dub got rolling last Friday with nine games on opening night. The brand new Wenatchee Wild got off to a good start on the ice with a big comeback to beat the Portland Winterhawks 6 5 on opening night. But they do lead off our headline segment this week because their new coach, Kevin Constantine, was suspended by the WHL on Monday. Pending an independent investigation into alleged violations of the League's regulations and policies. According to the WHL's news release, the complaint came via the League's independent reporting channel and Constantine is not permitted to have any contact with anyone from the Wild organization while the investigation is taking place. As we discussed in our season preview a couple weeks ago, Constantine is a veteran coach at age 64, and his tenure includes two WHL tours of duty with the Everett Silvertips. He is seen as a bit of an old-school guy, and back in 2006 he was fined $5,000 and suspended for four games by the WHL after he asked the Silvertips players to remain in their full equipment for their postgame meal and their four-hour bus ride back to Everett following a preseason loss in Tri-6. City. Uh, the news of Constantine's uh, of current situation is certainly a letdown after a relatively successful opening weekend in Wenatchee. After knocking off the Winterhawks, the Wild hung with the Seattle Thunderbirds but dropped a 3-2 decision on Saturday. They averaged over 3,000 fans at each of the two games, and their 17-year-old forward Oscar Loveson was named the WHL's Rookie of the Week after putting up four points. Um, So after Mike Babcock's swiftly aborted tenure with Columbus in the NHL, the writing certainly seems to be on the wall that players will no longer be quiet when coaches push the limits of what's acceptable within their profession. Uh, The investigation is ongoing as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. So I don't want to jump to any conclusions on Constantine until the findings are complete, but I think it is a positive that both the NHL and the junior leagues are now acting swiftly and taking allegations that are reporting to them seriously. What are your thoughts on this, Adam? Well, the first
1: thought is that this has to be, you know, frustrating and disappointing that another one of these situations has popped up. Uh, You got to feel for the players in this situation, but, at the same time it's uh positive that you have these young players feeling empowered enough to come forward with these complaints and no longer holding on to them for years uh in some cases so you know there's there's kind of a it's kind of a mixed uh situation here the situation is not great but good on the players and as we talked about in the season preview you know this is a team that just moved cities, changed entire management, essentially. There weren't a lot of people that transitioned from Winnipeg to Wenatchee, and now they have to deal with this situation. So hopefully the players aren't too affected by this. Uh, Hopefully the organization learns from what happened, and we can hope that not just the Wenatchee Wild, but everybody across the WHL and maybe the CHL and other leagues look at the situation, kind of do a... Little bit of a di- um, debrief on what happened to ensure it doesn't happen in the future.
0: Yeah. And I guess similar to Columbus, um, maybe getting in front of this so early in the season ultimately is a benefit because it allows them to kind of close the door on it and move forward and still have the whole season in front of them. And as you say, sort of not let something that might be a little bit toxic fester in the dressing room or within the organization. If uh, things turn out uh, to be, um, the allegations are, are what, was, um, what was alleged. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. By the time you watch slash listen to this podcast, we might uh, know more about the fate of Kevin Constantine. But for now, uh, we're just in limbo waiting to hear the results of the investigation and how the WHL decides to, uh, to move forward with the situation. Um, So now let's move on to uh, headline number two on a more positive note. uh, We had three teams that named new captains for their 2023-24 seasons over the weekend, and that was Regina, Prince Albert, and Medicine Hat.
1: Yeah, so starting off with the Regina Pats, they named uh, 2024 draft-eligible prospect Tanner Howe, who we will be talking about quite a bit this season, as the 82nd captain in team history, which kind of bizarre... Hearing the number eighty second team captain in team history, uh, he takes over from Connor Bedard, so they're going with the back to back top prospect uh, combination for their captains. Uh, definitely a lot to live up to uh, in Connor uh, when you have to live up to Connor Bedard. But Tanner, Howe uh, looks and it looks ready to live up to uh, some of those expectations and lead this team. And then uh, staying in Saskatchewan, the Prince Albert Raiders, they selected 19-year-old defenseman Eric Johnston, uh, while in Alberta, the Medicine Hat Tigers went with 19-year-old forward uh, Tyler McKenzie. So on top of this, we also have quite a few openings uh, still for captaincy, and some teams are just waiting to see if players are going to return or not from their NHL camps. And once they do, we'll kind of have a full list of who the captains are for the upcoming season
0: yeah next week we'll take a quick a closer look at uh, which WHL players have made strong impressions at their NHL training camps a few of them have gotten into NHL games and uh, we're starting to see the list trickle out of players that are starting to get returned back to their junior clubs but that's changing by the minute so it's not really something that we can dig into right now without uh, telling you a bunch of old news by the time you see this uh, for today we will touch on four players that have been signed to their NHL entry-level contracts since camp opened including two from from the WH or from the 2023 draft, so we'll start off in Vancouver where the Canucks have signed defenseman Sawyer Minio and goaltender Ty Young.
1: Yeah, so starting with Minio, uh, third round pick from Nashville uh, this past June, while Young was selected in the fifth round in 2022. Um, both are playing in the Western Conference, so if you are a Vancouver Giants fan, or sorry, a Vancouver Canucks fan, when they come and play the Giants, plenty of opportunity to go see them. Or if you're a Canuck fan across the province, you know the the Canucks don't have a long history of selecting players in the Western Conference of the WHL uh, over the last couple of years. So this is a great chance
0: for those fans to go out and see the prospects. Uh, and then in Philadelphia, we had uh, the Flyers coming to terms with goaltender Carson Bjarnason.
1: Yeah, so uh, Bjarnason, fifty um, first overall, uh, back in June um, at the draft. And he was the first WHO goalie to be selected. And um, this is a player that we talked about a little bit in our season preview. He's going to be or projected to be one of the top goaltenders in the Eastern uh, Division this season. So hopefully he can kind of show what he's capable of
0: and leave Brandon back to the playoffs. Uh, and then finally, on our signings, uh, the Calgary Flames signed a uh, big park, big forward Parker Bell, who I got to see a little bit at the uh, Young Stars tournament up in Penticton, uh, and he's back with the uh, Tri-City Americans.
1: Yeah, so another fifth round pick from
0: 2022
1: kind of falls in that mold of big players, big forwards, big defensemen that can play a physical game with Calgary He's listed at six 192 pounds which is also a trend in uh, Tri-City. They have a very big uh, roster. So, um, yeah, we'll see if he can uh, transition that uh, to a successful career in the Calgary organization.
0: Yeah, even though uh, Daryl Sutter is not with the Flames anymore, it doesn't seem like they've uh, shifted too far from their uh, their player development profiles that they have been kind of leaning on in, uh, in years past. And again, from seeing Parker Bell in person, I can tell you that he definitely uh, uh, creates that impression, as does uh, your boy Lucas Siona from Seattle, who's also a big body who caused a lot of havoc up in Penticton. <laughs> Uh, Anyways to uh, wrap up our headlines for this week We turn to the Vancouver Giants Uh, They introduced TV personality Drew Scott as the newest member Of their ownership group on the weekend
1: Yeah so uh, if you have Watched uh, the show The Property Brothers he's one of the uh, Twins along with uh, Jonathan Scott so Drew was Raised or born in Vancouver And is close friends with uh, Giants part time Owner and uh, musician uh, Michael Buble So uh, Scott is taking over the share of the ownership group that had previously been held by uh, late Pat Quinn and his family. Um, And then the majority of the ownership is still with uh, BC Sports Hall of Fame member Ron Toigo, who also owns the White Spot Restaurant. So we'll kind of see what this star-studded group uh, can do with this uh,
0: Vancouver Giants organization going forward. Uh, I like it. It's, it's pretty glamorous for junior hockey. It's, uh, it's not quite the Hunter brothers, but it's fun. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, co- put some eyeballs on the team for opening night, having Drew Scott out there. Uh, Michael Bublé has been pretty hands-on with the uh, with the Giants, considering that his day job does take him out of the city quite a lot, as you uh, might imagine. Um, so it looks like Scott is sort of going to be working in the same mold. He was out in Langley for the uh, introductory press conference and took in the Giants for one win on opening night against the Victoria Royals. Uh, So from there, we're going to turn to this weekend's three stars of the week, even though we only had uh, three days of game action to draw from, we've got a good start and uh, seeing who's, who's looking good so far. Uh, this season, and uh, with many of the WHL's drafted stars still away at those NHL training camps, it was an opportunity for, uh, for some other players to get noticed. So, for the third star this week, uh, Adam, you've selected goaltender Harrison Menigan from uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, so undrafted 19 year old, stopped 64 of the 67 shots he faced in a home and home series against us with current, uh, winning both of those games. The more impressive of the two was in the home open, one uh, in the home opener where he made 40 saves in a 3-1 win and was named the game's first star. Um, and he's also the only goaltender uh, that has played multiple games so far that has a goals against average under two. So Lethbridge was a team that we talked about in the um, in in our season previews that needed to have a good start because of everything that's going uh, on surrounding there. So this is kind of one of those good stories that's coming out. Uh, a goaltender who's played in the WHL. He was kind of like uh he I would say he's there was their starter last year, but he kind of split that time. Um so it's good to see that he's gone off on such a strong note uh to start the season.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He's um from South Surrey BC and uh, last year in his first full season with the Hurricanes, he went 19, 12, and four. So uh yeah a great start for uh, for Menigan getting things rolling with uh with the new um overseers in uh, in Lethbridge so to speak. Uh second star we've got 20-year-old center Gabe classen from Portland. Yeah, so uh Klassen uh,
1: started his overager season uh strong with 6 points in 2 games. Uh not too bad. Uh Winterhawks captain, he uh recently was at the Colorado Avalanche prospect camp. Um so during the two games this past weekend he recorded both points on the power play and while short-handed. So that is something uh that is pretty impressive to do not many people. I don't, I think he's the only player when I look through the stats that was able to do that. So, um, great start. And also he was really strong in the faceoff dot, which should help Portland, uh, because anytime you can have that strong, um, you know, top six forward, first line center that can win faceoffs. That's always a positive. Um, he's still undrafted. So he's going to be one of those players that will kind of pay attention to near the end of the year when we start talking about the CS CHL free agency, when teams start signing these overagers who were undrafted, because based off of how he's played the last couple of years, I would be very surprised if he doesn't earn a contract, especially if he continues to project the way that he has uh, so far.
0: Awesome. And uh, for our first, first star of the week for the 2023, 24 WHL season, uh, you've selected undrafted Zach Funk from the Prince George Cougars.
1: Yes, uh, Zach Funk, uh, great name, uh, great player. So uh, 20-year-old, uh, definitely made a statement during Prince George's first two games, recording three goals and seven points over the weekend. Uh, and this is really important because, remember, Riley Height and Cohen Zimer are both still away at NHL training camps as of this recording. Um, so he, the fact that they can get these standout performances from other players should bode well for them once those players return. So he, his big game was a five-point night uh, on the home opener on Friday when they beat uh, Tri-City 9 nothing, which that was surprising to watch. Uh, we knew that Prince George was good, but missing their two top forwards and they still score nine goals, that is very impressive. And uh, like we talked about in the um, season previews, Prince George looks like the team to beat in the – bc division they're going to be one of the strongest teams in the western conference so having that kind of secondary depth that can replace a guy uh, like chase wheatcroft who who is now with the dallas stars organization after he aged out of the whl that is a that's going to be a massive positive for uh, prince george
0: yeah, Funk was a, a mid-season acquisition by Prince George last year. He started the year in Calgary, and uh, all told, he had 26 goals and 58 points across 66 games on both teams, and that was split pretty evenly. Um, in the playoffs, he also chipped in eight points in 10 playoff games, and that tied him with Riley Height for the Cougars postseason scoring lead. So he kind of snuck in under the radar, I think, at the trade deadline and uh, and made some contributions that um, maybe we didn't notice as much because of what Wheatcroft was was doing and some of those other guys so uh now it's his time to shine and and as you said tried to uh be another one of those guys who's looking to earn a, a free agent contract at the end of the season uh now we will move on to our nhl team of the week segment uh first team of the year first of 32 assuming everything uh works out schedule wise as it should it all came together neatly last year so i have faith Uh, This year, we are going to start with the Pacific Division. So our first team in the spotlight is the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, In this segment, we will be taking a look at the Western League prospects that are in each team's system and also touch on notable current and past players who are also part of the organization. Um, So the Ducks have used uh, three of their nine picks in Nashville last June on WHL players, which is always a nice way for us to begin. And uh, they now have four dub prospects in their system. So we will begin with their 2022 fifth rounder, Condor Vinson, out of Swift Current. He's listed as a right wing on the WHL site, but uh, you're saying that uh, he has some versatility to his game beyond that.
1: Yeah, so this is a player that can play on the wing, has played in uh, center, uh, mostly on the wing. um, But it's always good to show that you have that versatility, especially in the junior ranks. So last season had 65 points in 59 games and even got the opportunity to play with uh, the San Diego Gulls at the end of the uh, year after Swift uh, Swiss current uh, didn't make the postseason with playing seven games uh, in the AHL um, he's unsigned yet, but um, this uh, it's, it's more than likely he will be by the end of the season. And that I, I believe that this will be his last year in the WHL. Usually, The players that get those AHL opportunities at the end of the year, the organization has high hopes for them and they see them as part of their future. So just reading into that, even though he isn't signed, I would very much expect that contract to come sometime during the season and uh, him to be in the AHL next year.
0: Um, yeah, and with WHL players as well, the window for signing is only two years. So uh, they need to get him signed by next June. I forget if it's June 1 or June 15. But uh, in order to retain his rights, um, they, they'll need to bring him under contract. Um, you know, the Ducks have loads of salary cap space. They have loads of prospects. So, um, you know, it really is. Oh, my God, I'm going to make a terrible pun. A matter of getting their ducks in a row. Um, Sorry, it was there. I just couldn't stop myself um, and sort of figuring out what. uh, Yes, even producer Connor is giving me grief for that one. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Um, but, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how everything comes together with Anaheim this year. Let's just leave it at that. Um, uh, Vincent is a Saskatchewan boy with good size at, uh, at six foot two. Um, he didn't play in the rookie showcase, but has been participating in Anaheim's training camp. Uh, next up the first of three picks from the 2023 draft. And we'll start with a friend of the show, Nico Majadovic, uh, who rose to become a early second round pick in Nashville in June.
1: Yeah, so um, Nico Majatovic uh, was on the Seattle Thunderbirds, still is on the Seattle Thunderbirds, and helped them make the um, Memorial Cup last year. He's one of these strong two-way uh, wingers uh, who had four points in five games during that tournament, so he does have some offense to his game. Um, with Seattle losing a large por- portion of their roster due to players aging out or not enough space with the 20-year-olds, um, Majedovic is one of those guys who's going to be looked at to be a leader, not just in the dressing room, but on the ice, you know, in an offensive capacity. So expect him to play big minutes on the power play on the penalty kill like he has last year, but kind of in an elevated role with the Seattle Thunderbirds this coming season.
0: Okay. um, it's interesting that myback sort of has this reputation as a two-way guy, which obviously is a really good thing when it comes to uh, to scouts and player development evaluators. But um, he also did take a big step offensively last year, going from twenty eight points to sixty points. So um if he plays a bigger role on the Thunderbirds this year, it wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, um, chalking up a lot more moments on the uh, on the box scores as the season wears on. Um up next 52 picks after selecting Majadovic. the Ducks then took right wing Igor Sidorov from the Saskatchewan Saskatoon Blades at number 85.
1: Yeah so this is a um this is a player who was passed over in uh, 2022 and uh got his opportunity really stepped up for Saskatoon and got to hear his name called in Nashville. He's a very gifted player offensively, he finished second on Saskatoon last season with 76 points in 53 games. And then he also added 19 more points in a 16 playoff games. So you can really tell that this guy has, this prospect has a lot of offensive flair to his game. Um, when he returns to Saskatoon, which is projected, um, he is, if they win the division, which they have a very good chance of doing, he's going to be a major part of why. he, Him and uh, Trevor Wong work really well together. Um, they're going to be the leaders in uh, for the blades, and uh, I'm excited to see what type of player he returns after the training camp. That goes for all of these players, you know, because when they get drafted and when they attend ro- rookie and training camp, the teams will tell them to work on certain things coming back. Uh, and also, they've had that experience playing against the pros, so a lot of them be- come back stronger. They come back faster. So I'm excited to see if he can flirt with that hundred point mark uh, this coming season.
0: Yeah, I think the motivation is a huge part too. just, um, you know, seeing that thing that you've dreamed of your whole life sort of start to become a reality and skating on those ices and putting on the uniforms and stuff um, has got to help these kids just to uh, to take their focus up one more level in terms of uh, of doing what they need to do to reach those goals. Um, Finally, in this segment, the uh, the Ducks selected Edmonton Oil Kings defenseman Wojtek Port in round six in June in Nashville.
1: Yeah, so Port is a player that I really liked going into the draft as kind of one of those late round selections. Um, he was one of the youngest players in this draft, so he only he didn't turn eighteen until August third, so he was just a couple weeks away from being twenty twenty four eligible. Uh, but this, yeah, like I feel like he just doesn't get enough attention because of the playing on Edmonton. Um, listed at six foot two, one hundred sixty eight pounds, he does need to put on a little bit more weight because he's very lanky at the moment. Uh, especially when you're playing defense because he needs to add that physical element. But this is a guy who's going to be on Czechia's world junior team as of right now. Um, He's going to play a big big role on Czechia's world junior team. And I feel like he could really surprise when people look back at the end of the season and look at his point totals because I think that because of the Oil Kings and because they're still in that rebuild mode, he's not going to be talked about as much.
0: Um, yeah. And he only has one year of history in the WHL as well. He was selected originally actually by Red Deer in the 2022 import draft. And he did play two games for the rebels last season before being moved to Edmonton. Uh, so those are your four ducks prospects who will all most likely find their way back to the WHL this season as, uh, Anaheim gets themselves started for, uh, for how they're going to go forward, uh, for this campaign under their new coach. Uh, Myatovic and Sidorov both dressed for the Ducks' first preseason game on Sunday at Anaheim. Uh, they both played in the bottom six based on the lines that Anaheim posted, but uh, nice to see them have the opportunity to put on a uniform in a game before they head back uh, to Seattle and Saskatoon. Yeah, and then as for uh, Double alumni who could find themselves
1: playing for San Diego uh, in the AHL this fall, uh, that list is headlined by uh, 2023 WHL Defenseman of the Year, Olin Zellweger, uh, who was drafted in the second round in 2021. Um, that's definitely a player I think will get some games in the NHL, but he'll be a star in the AHL for sure. You also have a uh, 2019 first-rounder, uh, Brayden Tracy, who's in the mix. And then at forward, uh, Ben King uh, was drafted in the fourth round in uh, 2022. He's a little bit older, already 21. Uh, he was also at... Uh, he was at ducks camp and then you also have uh, Jackson weep who uh, signed an entry-level contract as a free agent uh, out of Prince George uh, last March. So plenty of WHL connected connections.
0: Yeah, and then we had uh, another one of the uh, your, your favorites, Kyle Krinkovic from Seattle. He was undrafted but uh, did earn an invite to the Ducks rookie camp, but it doesn't look like he was able to parlay that into a spot on the roster of the main camp at this point. Um, and uh, another guy that we've been wondering where he was going to pop up um we'll i'll get to him in a second the ducks also have uh 2021 fifth rounder gage alexander in their system um but they issued a camp invite to uh to thomas tucanik from uh from tri city and uh, got him into uh half of one of their preseason games on the weekend
1: yeah and he was uh, credited with the win in the game so uh this will be an interesting one to watch uh we'll see what happens uh with Thomas Buchanek, if he can earn that contract, but he looked great so far. Um, And he even had one of these phenomenal glove saves that the Ducks posted on their uh, social media. So uh, make
0: sure to go check out that and see how he did. Yeah, and uh, on the big club, Brett Brett Leeson should be in the mix for a bottom six forward spot, while one-time Everett Silvertip Radko Gudis signed a three-year free agent deal with the Ducks on July 1st. Uh, Next week, we will continue our trip through the Pacific Division with the Calgary Flames as our next Team of the Week. And now uh, we'll move on to our Prospect Watch segment. Uh, in a show of great timing and synergy, our fearless editor-in-chief and prospects editor, Ryan Kennedy, posted his preliminary list of 2024 draft prospects to watch over at the Hockey News website over the weekend. Uh, So go back and check that out when you have a moment. And uh, while Ryan cautions that this list right now is more of a general guide of players to watch than a a strict ranking, um, it is still interesting to see where he put the seven Western League players in his top 32. And we can argue about who goes higher and who goes lower because that's what we're here for. That's the whole point, right? Um, so the highest ranked player that uh, that Ryan has on his list is uh, Berkeley Catton from Spokane at number four. Um, do you think that he is or should be in the poll position to be the top dub player taken at the 2024 draft?
1: Yes, uh, I think that Berkeley Catton is uh, number, will be uh, the top player uh, selected from the WHO, maybe even a top five pick uh depending on how he does this year but he's already started off the season really hot with 6 points in his first two games so that's always a good uh indicator that he's uh ready to go um this is a player that we've talked about in in our preview uh can is uh maybe not just the top prospect in the WHL but he might also be the top prospect across the entire CHL too uh, say that he won't be the top Canadian. That will be Macklin Celebrini, but he is in the NCAA. Um, so this is a player, he's a center from uh, Saskatoon who is extremely skilled and he was able to already show off just how strong he could be in this draft group at the Holinka-Gretzky tournament where he uh, led Canada as the captain to a gold medal. So I think that it would be really hard for another player to catch Ken at this point. Because I think that he's kind of solidified himself in that top five. Uh, not saying that there are, that the WHO player, that there's not a chance. But I think that we're looking at kind of a group of maybe four or five players at the top. That's kind of the first tier that we're looking at. And then kind of like a mix of a lot of other players. Like we still don't know if Celebrini is going to go first or if it's going to be uh, somebody else. But I think that it can really establish that Catten in that top five and will be in that top five for the season.
0: Uh, So if you were to give me a name, which draft-eligible WHL prospect do you think has the best chance of challenging Catton for that top spot?
1: Uh, For me, it's got to be Ryder Ritchie out of uh, Prince Albert. I know Ryan has him ranked at 20th, but I think that also has to do with the fact that he's a winger, not a center or defenseman, so you're looking at position as well, and that might be why he... like, If Ryder Ritchie was a center, he might be in that top 10 consideration but because he's a winger he kind of drops down a little bit um i really like richie i love i like watching his game he was the whl rookie of the year for a reason uh six foot 173 pounds great shot and he reads the play uh well in the nhl it's one of the hardest things to do is score goals and that's all that richie does so uh, if he eclipses the 30 goal mark this season i wouldn't be surprised and uh, i think that he is going to be one of those players that we look back, you know, in 10, 15 years and wonder how he didn't go higher in the draft.
0: Yeah, I um I watched a little bit of Prince Albert's preseason while I was working on my story on uh, on their new goalie Chase Coward, and Richie did some pretty dazzling stuff uh, while I was trying to pay attention to the goaltending that it seems to have stuck in my mind. So I think that's kind of what his jam is all about. So uh, yeah, he'll be fun. But uh, yes, uh, I'm intrigued that you mar- that you rank him second because you put him ahead of uh, Ryan's second ranked WHL player. Uh, he had defenseman Carter Yakumchuk from Calgary in at number 18. Um, what do you think makes him deserving of that spot? And what do you think is th- is why you'd put him below Richie on your own list? So uh, Yakumchuk
1: is one of those older players who missed the 2023 draft off by just a few weeks. So he is a little bit more physically mature than a lot of the other players in this draft. Uh, listed at 6'2", 194 pounds. He's one of these forces at both ends of the ice and isn't afraid to play, you know, a physical brand of hockey. Uh, he's one of those players that I could see making a case for the top 10 because he's a defenseman, because of the way that he plays. Um, but it it's one of those situations where I think that Richie just has more potential at the NHL level, like, we, we all know how important defensemen are compared to wingers. Like, you can easily find scoring wingers on the free agent market in the draft, can't really find those shutdown defensemen. But from a pure impact point of view, from what I would see in the future, I think that Richie has more of that, you know, high high ceiling. Uh, I, I could see Richie becoming a top-line center, while I could see um, uh, Yakimchuk being, you know, one of those second line third line defenseman so it's you know when you're drafting you also have to take position into consideration so I understand why he is higher on the list I I could even understand why he would be you know a top 15 top 10 pick and Richie wouldn't but for me if I just that's just I I like I love how Richie plays and I just see him being a massive contributor at the NHL level Um, and that's why I, I would rank him a little bit higher
0: it'll be interesting to see how it shakes down with the defensemen too after uh, there wasn't a lot of blue line high end options in uh, in the 2023 draft but there are quite a few more high ranked defensemen from across the hockey sphere um, in this upcoming draft. So in that sense, Yakumchuk kind of has more competition to, uh, to face. And so he'll be judged against those other players from other leagues, as well as being judged against a guy like Ritchie. So uh, again, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds as the year goes on. Um, the other dub names that Ryan had on his top 32 were, uh, another defenseman, Charlie Ellick from Brandon at number 21 center Caden Lindstrom from medicine hat at 25 and a pair of check centers, Max Kern from Tri city at number 26 and Edmonton's Adam Yeho at number 31. So, uh. We're not in the same position as last year when uh, Connor Bedard's status as the uh, presumptive number one pick was pretty much locked in from day one and thus we were able to uh, give him his own segment and uh, watch him make it entirely worthwhile for us to talk about him for five minutes every week all year long. Um, So we're trying to map out what we're going to do with this space in uh, in this season's podcast. Um, For now, I guess we can still talk about Bedard a little bit. Um, He did put up that unbelievable hat trick in the one prospects game that he played for, uh, for Chicago a week or so ago, um, which just makes me hungrier to see what he's going to do once he finally gets into a preseason game. Um, as much as the schedule makers uh, did us a solid by putting the Blackhawks up against the Pittsburgh Penguins on opening night, I am uh, more than a little bit annoyed that Chicago doesn't play its first preseason game until Thursday for some ungodly reasons. So uh, um, as we record on Tuesday, there's still five teams that haven't played a preseason game yet, but uh, Thursday is the last day I think at Chicago and one other team that will be uh, dropping the puck for the first time then. So uh, it, it hurts me that we have to wait so long to, uh, to see what art is going to do next. Um, so we will continue to track his progress here. When warranted, which could be often, um, but uh, another idea for uh, what we could do in this segment might be to uh, to track the head-to-head progress of those top prospects week by week, sort of comparing and contrasting how Catton and Richie and Yakumchuk are doing in terms of maintaining or raising their draft stock over any given uh, one-week period, and uh, whether there are any other contenders that are climbing the ranks or possibly challenging for uh, for one of those top three spots among WHLers in the uh, in the draft. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think that'll work? I mean, any opportunity we get to talk about uh, Ryder Richie more, I'm uh,
1: down with another of prospects. Because, you know, with Bedard, there was so much focus on the WHL last season. Uh, it wasn't just the Bedard show. It was the Zach Benson show. It was the Brendan Yeager show. Like, there was just all of this focus because Bedard basically enhanced the uh, attention from the rest of the hockey world on the WHL. Even though there are a lot of strong prospects, we don't have that, you know, big draw this year. Like if you're looking at if you're looking at uh, draft prospects, people are going to be talking about Macklin Celebrini. Like that's who they're gonna be mostly focused on, even though, like we said, we have guys like Berkeley Ken, Ryder Ritchie, uh, Yakim Chuck, even guys like Caden Lindstrom, who I'm really fond of, and I've made and I will continue to talk about uh, throughout the year because uh, I think that he is going to be an absolute stud in the, NA, in the, in the NHL one day, even Tanner Howe, who he mentioned. So I think, uh, yeah, if we, the more prospect talk, the better, um, especially because, uh, like you said, we don't have that Conor Bedard, and we have to wait a little bit until we can do the Gavin McKenna weekly uh, watch. So, <laughs> yeah, we got to fill that space somehow, and any opportunity to talk up these prospects prior to the draft uh, is a good opportunity.
0: Okay, so uh, we'll keep it fluid, but for now that means that, uh, like with Bedard, we're going to uh, withdraw Katten, Ritchie, and Yakumchuk from Three Stars of the Week consideration. Um, and again that kind of opens up the uh, the playing field a little bit more for other players so that we're not just focusing on the top players in that three-star segment every week and can uh, can shine the light on uh, on whoever has really taken a step up or captured the spotlight in any given seven day period um, if you have an idea of something that you'd like to see us address or cover in this uh, in this final segment this year um, you're all we'd love to hear from you too it would be uh, awesome if you let us know you can tweet either Adam or myself myself. myself. My Twitter slash X handle is uh, at Pool88 and Adam is at uh, Adam K. Blatt, A-D-A-M-K-B-L-A-T. We are also planning on featuring WHL interviews on a fairly regular basis this season. So uh, we'll be starting to get those lined up and look forward to that as well as the season rolls along. Uh, so that concludes this week's episode of THN on the Dub. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't done so yet. And uh, to check out past episodes of this show and all the others on the THN podcast family, you can go find them at uh, thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Thanks again for stopping by. Have a great week. Enjoy the games. And we will talk to you again soon.